0: of summer, we think of the sun, we think of something refreshing, something that we can just be out there and enjoy, um, just the beautiful weather that we're experiencing, except if you're in Montreal and it's raining every 15 minutes. Has anybody else (laughs) noticed that? It's not ridiculous. I don't know what's happening, but it's like raining all the time. And I I just wanted to title this message appropriately because of the topic that we're in. And we're talking about God getting us there, wherever that is for us individually. But he has promises that he's made. He made promises to his people. And those promises are also really for us as well. And there's a journey that they've been on, these Israelites, as they've left Egypt and are headed towards canaan their promised land but there's still so much to go through there's so many challenges and obstacles and battles to be fought both internally and even externally and i think we all can resonate with that but god made a promise to get them there and i believe he's made that same promise to each of us he will get us to where he said the bible says that he began a work in us that he promises to bring to completion that he promises to fulfill. And so this this aspirational hope that we may have about us getting there is really, on God's part, a promise. And when we have our doubts, just like the Israelites, and we complain and we grumble, and then we find ourselves wandering and living out our life through the many detours that we can sometimes experience by our own hand and that of others, God still promises to get us there. The passage that we're in is a beautiful one, and you may not be entirely familiar with it, but it's just one of those beautiful passages that has the ability to speak to us about not only the past, but also the future. And in Exodus 15, it's at verse 22 that we begin to read, and it says that, Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. And they traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. And when they came to this oasis called Marah, the water was too bitter to drink. And so they are the ones who called it this, Marah, which means bitter. And then the people complained, and they turned against Moses. And they said, what are we going to drink, they demanded. And so Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood and Moses picked up the wood and he threw it into the water and this made the water that was bitter good to drink and it was there at Mara that the Lord set before them the following decree God here makes a covenant He sets a standard to test their faithfulness to Him. And He says this to them. He says that if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and you do what is right in His sight, obeying His commands and keeping all His decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases that I sent on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. And after leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled to the oasis of Elim. And Elim means um, it's, it stands out and points to God. And there they found 12 springs, and there were 70 palm trees. And then they camped there beside the water. Now, the first thing that these Israelites encounter out of the Red Sea is bitter waters. And I don't know if you ever left something really bad for you, bad bad, like in the most tragic sense. It's kind of like you just left that behind. It's in your rearview mirror. You've taken steps to just live a new life, to be a new person. And, And instead of... Finding refreshment, sweet waters in the shade, you find bitter waters in the desert. It's like you just had the most miraculous encounter where God just showed you powerfully who He is, and He's revealed Himself that way in your life, and you believe in Him. You take the steps to go and follow Him, and He leads you to where you think is the promise, but instead, He leads you to waters that are bitter. Some of us in this room like bitter things. Some of us suck on lemons like for fun. Anybody out there do that? You just love the the tardiness and the and the shock of it. You like you just like it. Uh, but when we talk about something that is that is bitter, it means that it has really no redeemable trace left in it. It means that even if you have a high tolerance and low standards, <laughs> that even for you this water would be undrinkable. And, and, and so it, it gets its name, Bitter Waters, because no one can drink from it. Even people who say, like, I, I can pretty much drink anything, even they rejected this water. And and I think that sometimes that's what life is like in our spiritual journey. God leads us to a place where we outright reject where we are. It is so bitter. There is no redeemable quality to it. We cannot in any way imagine that God is still with us if this is where he has led us and this is what we have to drink. And so you complain. And you complain because it's been three days now that you have traveled without water. And three days means that your body is shutting down. Three days means is that your body is, is pretty much preparing itself for the eventuality, which is, which is death. And so when you're dying, and you're trusting God who just delivered you, from the worst possible life that you've ever lived for generations now, and the place He leads you to is bitter waters, you can understand why you'd be a little upset with God in this moment. Ever been there? Are you there now? You're having a hard time with Him? You see, In this story, though, after God tells Moses to do something very unusual, um, we already know he has a staff. And he could have taken that staff and he could have touched the waters with it and and made it good. In the same way that he could have parted the waters, he could have made the waters sweet. But there was something different about this moment, in a moment in which God says, take this random piece of wood, take that and put that in the water instead. And it just goes to show you that anytime and every time you think you know how God is going to work, he's ready to surprise you again. That the way that you think he did it is the way that you think he's going to do it again. That's not how God works. And the very thing that you would disregard as being useless along with the water that you're in front of, God says, not only can this water be useful, but when I ask you to do something and you do it and you act in obedience to that which is unusual and seemingly ridiculous I can make bitter waters sweet again with that which is just around you and the difference is you obeying me when I tell you that this can be used to turn those bitter waters sweet. And so it makes me think, God, what is around me every day that I'm just disregarding? What is it that is right in front of me that can save my life, but I have already determined that it's bitter and it has no use to me? That I have to leave this area for another area instead of realizing that what's in front of me is something that you can still redeem something that you can turn from bitter to sweet, and you can use the most unusual thing to do it. I I think that when people think of the wood that takes away the bitter, it makes me think of the cross on which Jesus was hung it speaks to the bitterness of this world and the bitterness of our life and the bitterness of what we've been through and gone through and are going through and and how that bitterness can also bring about the covenant that god made with his people at this moment when he said to them if you would obey me i would make sure that no disease would touch you just like It touched the Egyptians. I will make sure that this disease never touches you because I will show you that through this wood that makes the bitter waters sweet, that this wood can also become not a burden, not a curse, but your deliverance when Jesus one day will be hung on it. See, Jesus is is always present in every story. And in this story, he's just this random piece of wood that people thought they could conquer him with, that they thought they could execute him with, that they thought they could disgrace him with, that they thought they could kill the movement of the way with. They thought they could end Christianity with it, but all it did was empower it. It took the most bitter moment, and it turned it into the sweetest. You see, God is saying the only way to truly heal is through Jesus and the cross. The only way that the bitter waters will be made sweet. And and, and why do I say this? I say this because on this journey that they were in, not only did God turn the water sweet that was bitter, but then he led them to a oasis called Elim, and this oasis didn't exist before. God created it out of nothing. He made an oasis in the desert where there wasn't one before. How do we know this? Because it's too specific to what he created there. It says very clearly that what he did there was 12 springs, 12 wells of water. 12 wells for the people, and 70 palms. Not 71, not 72, but 70. And when God is this specific with his numbers, his numbers mean something, and they are repeated throughout the scriptures. And we know that there are 12 tribes of Israel. We know that there were 12 disciples. We know that Jesus told his disciples that they would one day judge the 12 tribes. The 70 is also significant. It appears over and over again. And when the burden was too heavy on Moses to lead thousands of people, Jethro shows up and he says, Moses, from morning to evening, day after day, you keep judging over the matters of your people. You cannot continue like this but appoint some over 10 and appoint others over 50 and a hundred and a thousand and choose your leaders from among the people that you have. And so Moses chose 70 elders, 70 leaders. And so what we see is that there's 12 springs of water and there's 12 tribes of Israel. There's 70 palm trees because there's 70 leaders that have been appointed by Moses. But there's something else, something that God wanted to show them that he was always able to redeem. And that was that when Jacob left his land to meet his son Joseph, who he thought was dead, who his brothers had already met him in Egypt, and where Joseph had become the leader in Egypt, and he was able to give his family refuge from the famine. The Bible tells us that Jacob showed up with 70 from his house. And then from being in Egypt, the 70 continued to multiply until they became so numerous and so blessed that the Egyptians began to hate them and then put them into slavery so what god does is he says remember the 70 that came with jacob that were from his house well now i'm showing you that there are 70 palms that amazing what god does is that he reveals that through the numbers there's so much involved in it there's a story in the scriptures in luke chapter 10 where it says that 70 were sent out by jesus Seventy disciples had to go to the places where Jesus had not yet gone. And in Luke chapter 10, in verse 1, it says, After these things the Lord appointed 70 others, and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and every place where he himself was about to go. Now, why is this important? Why the 12? Why the 70? It's because God remembers every step of everyone's journey, including yours. Every step is remembered. There are things about my journey that I that I forgot. There are things about my journey that I remember wrongly. Did you ever have a conversation with someone? who is with you, and you've got the facts a little mixed up. And you're like, no, that's not how I remember it. And you think it's a perspective thing? No, you just got them wrong. Like they're getting it right, you're, you're just remembering it wrong. We can't trust our memories like that. Sometimes we just want to forget things, right? Just leave them behind and never think about them, talk about them. And that's why we cut not just events, but people out of our lives because they are reminders of those things. But here's someone who never forgets. Every step of our journey is remembered by God. The good and the bad. The bitter and the sweet. But do you believe in a God today who remembers every part of your journey but who can turn the bitter into sweet? See, I think that's where we're going to struggle a little bit in the room. We're going to look at situations and we're going to say, these bitter waters can never become sweet. But you see, that's what God means when he says, I can take all things, all things, and turn them into good for your life. And I I may struggle with that when I think of what the bitterness is, but that's where you have to trust God for it. You have to believe that God can do what he did at Mara. He can do that in your own life. And that if he performed the miracle for you to see the parting of the seas before you so that you could walk on dry land and have an encounter with God, he can do the next thing in your life, which is take whatever is bitter and turn it into something sweet. But you're going to have to trust him and obey him in that process. And he may tell you to take something like a piece of wood that looks like it has no purpose and no use, and it's just a random thing left over from another life when it had use, when it had purpose, when it had significance, and when it had meaning. And God could reuse that. And as you turn towards those bitter waters and you you obey God and he tells you, take it and just throw it into the bitter waters and you do it, then you can experience the miracle of the bitter waters being turned sweet in your life. I want you to have that. I want you to have that belief. I can't create that within you. But I believe that the Holy Spirit can. Can. And I believe that he's doing that right now by telling us this story. Scriptures remind us of how beautiful this is because in Psalms 30, verse 5, it says, for his anger, look at this, it lasts only a moment, but his favor will always last a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but he says joy comes with the morning. He's telling you that no matter what was bitter, he can make it sweet. The bitter waters can become sweet water. Not having any shade can turn into 70 palms. And for whoever it is that's a part of his tribe, for, that are a part of his people, he's got springs of living water available to you. In the oasis, in a desert, that he can spring and make alive out of nothing. He can do that for you. And he says, then I want you to make camp by the water. I want you to make camp by that shade. I want you to make camp by those, by those springs. And I want you to enjoy what it is that I've brought into your life. And there was everything that they needed for that moment. And you remember how they were complaining and grumbling? How were they, they were distrusting and were in, in disbelief that God could lead them out because they had been without water for three days and the first thing they met were bitter waters. Well, now God has completely revolutionized their thinking. Their thinking is no longer the same. He showed them, I can take bitter waters, make them sweet, but more than that, I can give you springs of living water. I can give you palm trees with dates on them to nourish you and all the people for days to come. And he's showing them that not only is the water sweet, but the palms provide them with that which is sweet as well. You see, God is, is in our life to show us that when, when life has made us bitter, when the, the circumstances of our life has, have shown us and revealed that it's only bitterness, he can take that, turn it around and say, I can make this sweet for you will you trust in jesus who was put on the cross will you go to him and say lord will you be that wood that goes and makes all that is bittersweet will you turn my attention to you and to what it means to put my faith and trust in you and to know that you are that living water and that you are the shade that i need in the scorching sun that you are the oasis in the desert, the place of rest, so that I can be prepared for the next season of my life. I want you to name the bitter water in your life right now. I want you to name the bitter water that is in your past. I want you to name the bitter water that is in your present. And now I want you to declare over that water in Jesus' name, you will be made sweet. I will be able to drink from this better water. I will be able to celebrate your name. Because this is the day in which I can rejoice. It's no longer a time of tears and weeping. It's no longer a time of anger. It's no longer a season of disbelief. It's no longer about that, I want to believe in your favor that lasts a lifetime. I am no longer going to weep over these bitter waters. I am going to believe in the joy that comes in the morning. I am not going to allow this moment to keep robbing me of the oasis that is ahead. You see, if you get stuck at Mara, you don't get to experience Elim. And many of us never got to experience Elam. We never got to experience the 12 springs of living water. We never got to experience the palm trees, the 70 palms. We never got to experience that because we just got stuck at the bitter waters of Mara. Do you see how that can hold you back? God is saying, don't let anything have power and authority like that over you. Don't let anything have that kind of mastery over your past. Maybe your bitter waters were in your household. Maybe they were in a relationship. Maybe they were through a friendship. Maybe they were through the most unexpected of ways. Maybe they came in the form of tragedy, in some form of trauma. But I want you to understand that whatever the bitter waters are, don't get stuck there. When God can turn them sweet so that you can keep going to your oasis. Don't you want the oasis in your life? Aren't you you done with the bitter? (laughs) Done with being stuck with the past and the present that keeps telling you that this isn't gonna work, that you're not gonna make it, that you're not under God's favor, that you're not blessed by him, that nothing good was going to come after this. Stop believing that when God has made promises to the contrary and he's ready to fulfill them in your life. You ready to pray with me with that and receive that in your life? Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.